0: We are a positive forum. We're not here to discuss any, any kind of uh, other programs, other dynamics of baseball. We're just here to promote uh, college baseball, youth baseball, all things pertaining to Texas A&M baseball. We'll discuss uh, topics such as college recruiting, uh, SEC baseball, uh, things of that nature. If you have a question that you feel relates to the topic, There is a small icon shaped like a heart with a plus symbol adjacent to that. You can click on that request to speak or wave to catch my attention. Sometimes when I'm asking questions, I may not see it right away, but I promise to to get down um, and and scan that every once in a while. I do like to remind folks uh, these calls are recorded. Uh, so that they are able to be listened to at a later date. For those of you that uh, have people that would like to hear uh, Coach Lossnagel, this will be available for those via our podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to Real Talk, uh, one of our Monday night discussions that we have every every Sunday and Monday evening uh, with regards to the Masters of Baseball. We're here simply to hopefully discuss topics of interest to all families, student-athletes, organizations related to the sport of baseball, uh, particularly as it pertains to college baseball this evening. Um, I'm going to start off by introducing Coach Schlossnagel. He has a rather extensive uh, college coaching background, began as an assistant at schools such as Elon and Clemson an associate head coach with Coach Rick Jones at Tulane, uh, then out to UNLV, a very long uh, gig at TCU. And now, gig them at Texas A&M. Welcome, Coach Nagel. How are you tonight, Coach?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Walter. Uh, Honored to be with you and have everybody on. So, gig them, Aggies, and let's get it started.
0: Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, you've been around college baseball for a long time, and we've had some questions come in as to your excitement with regard to SEC baseball and all that comes with that. So uh, if you could just speak to, you know, this coming weekend, I know you're uh, opening up SEC play with LSU, so a couple of the Aggie fans are just interested in your, your thoughts as it pertains to kicking off the SEC season.
1: Yeah, certainly. uh super fired up about the opportunity. You know, I really have enjoyed, uh, coaching at all, all different stops, you know, as a head coach two years at UNLV, uh, 18 years at TCU. TCU is a great place. Both my children go to school there, Fort Worth's awesome. Um, but you know, this opportunity at this point in my life and both personally and professionally, uh, was just too good to pass up and and a big part of that was the opportunity to coach and not just the sec which is obviously the best baseball conference in the country but uh the sec west which is the best division of the base, baseball conference in the country so we it's a tall order um you know we we, we have a ways to go to uh to get to where we want to be but i'm super excited about our current team a uh, great group of guys that are given a great effort to this point and uh you know i spent eight years at tulane so i know what it's like to play in uh, south louisiana and and in uh, i've actually never been as a competitor in the new alex box all of my experiences are in the old alex box stadium at lsu so looking forward to seeing the south louisiana fans and the and the fan base down there and the atmosphere and and uh we'll go, the aggies will Roll the town on Thursday and see what happens. You know, Coach. I,
0: I've talked to a, a few players that have had the opportunity to play for you. One of which being my son, and and he speaks with you about you in such high regard. With regard to your caring about each individual student athlete, can you tell me about your relationships? With not only your current players at Texas A and M, but your former players, and how there's much more to this than just the baseball dynamic as a coach. It, it's becoming a part of you, your family, uh, for years to come. Could you just discuss that
1: kind of dynamic as a coach? Yeah, you know, I think I, mean, I think most coaches that are worth their salt that 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 I know, and I've been doing this for 31 years baseball is just an avenue to help develop young people. And, you know, I feel like I'm in the character and leadership development business through the sport of baseball. And obviously, we want to win. I mean, I'm super competitive. And I think any any ex-athlete um, usually spends the rest of their life searching for a team to be a part of. And so I'm super lucky that you know my occupation i i get to be a part of a team every single year and uh and so what 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 you learn over time and and your son you know tyler obviously is a great example of that is is if you ultimately spend sp- or not spend if you invest your time uh on helping young men become the best version of themselves on and off the field then The baseball kind of takes care of itself and and you spend so much time together the baseball season is long there's so many ups and downs and when you go through that kind of uh lifestyle adversity everything else and you're doing it with a team uh then you develop a really special bond and and certainly my very most you know my most favorite days as a coach uh aren't necessarily on a baseball field it's when you know, I mean, Tyler Beatty didn't play for me except for a summer on the USA team. But when he shoots me a text and says, Hey, I'm, I'm getting married or, or, you know, you have one of your, I, I, I actually had one today, send me a picture of his newborn son saying, Hey, save room in your 2040 recruiting class for, for this guy. I mean, th- those, those are the best days. And, um, you know, I think anybody who's ever been a part of team would of any team would, uh, attest to that well we have a
0: grandson uh, coming uh via tyler and Allie in in october and they are a resident
1: oh that's of so texas. great they are a
0: resident of texas so it could be a future
1: aggie yeah. for you there. i know it i know we'll have to we'll have to get them away from those commodores and coach Co- <laughs> coach corbin but uh i'm excited for uh for tyler and Allie, and, and you know the whole family That's awesome
0: yeah, Bo Bo Beattie. That sounds
1: like a, a oh, Texas A that... and M name. So just uh... oh, that's that that's a Texas A and M Aggie, <laughs> left-handed hitting or switch-hitting shortstop. Yes, Bo Dave, Dave, Bo make Beattie.
0: Sure you, Yeah, make sure you mention that to the left. You know, I've been telling Tyler's a lefty, so we need a left-hand hitting middle infielder. That would be great, yeah. or even a yeah. catcher. That'll that'll work just
1: fine for exactly the Hi, high stirrups, a lot of grit. <laughs> exactly, no my doubt. Kind
0: of, my kind of name. So, Cortwyn. When we're talking about, you know, players from outside the confines of SEC, let's talk cold weather states like New England. How how is it that somebody, you know, how do they gain, say, Nolan's attention or your attention? Is it via an email? Is it via a showcase, a tournament? How how do student athletes get
1: themselves in front of the Texas A&M staff? You know, I think there's a variety of ways. I mean, number one, I'm, you know, I'm from Western Maryland, not quite Massachusetts or New England, but um, I understand what it's like to grow up in a, you know, cold weather climate. And it's certainly changed these days to where even kids from cold weather climates get to play a lot of baseball. Um, but I would say, you know, we get a lot of emails. Uh, I would always advise people to attach video uh, to an email, every single email that's addressed directly to myself or one of our coaches, we always open that, read that. Anything that's g- generic, I immediately delete. Um, but, if, but if it says, you know, dear Coach Losnagel I'm from, you know, Boston and I have great interest in Texas A&M and here's, a, you know, here's, here's my history, uh, here's my summer team, here's my references, here, here's some video of me playing that that always gets looked at by somebody, either myself or somebody on our staff. So, that's a great way. I think base attending a baseball camp of the schools that you're interested in is super important because once you're on campus and you're in camp, uh, then there's a lot of different things you can do per the NCAA rules. You know, you can <clears throat> if a guy's a shortstop and a pitcher, and you want to see him play center field, you can do that. If you want to see him play third base you can do that so i would say you know contacting the coach directly having your your coach your high school coach your junior college coach your summer league coach you know contact the the college coach directly or the assistant coach directly is super important because you know uh, with especially with the summer programs that's when the bulk of the recruiting is done so you develop relationships with a lot of these summer coaches and uh you know, the, the family you've never met, but the summer coach you've had a longstanding relationship with. So, you know, there are certainly summer coaches out there, select team coaches or high school coaches out there that we know that if they say, hey, this guy's got a chance to play for you or he's your, he's your kind of guy, um, then that's a, that's a recommendation that holds a lot of weight um, that we can kind of follow up on.
0: So my follow-up question to that is, is I I interact, we uh, interact with a lot of families and student athletes, you know, probably at a younger age, say eighth to ninth grade. We try to impress upon them um, the routine, the discipline, uh, what it takes mentally uh, to play at that level, uh, you know, playing college baseball. Can you speak to when does the recruiting process for you as a coaching staff begin? Is it, is it early? Are you getting to be more patient with regard to the process? Just so families can have an idea of, of when they should be trying to get on, on your radar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there's two answers to that question. One is in a perfect world, uh, I would prefer that the process not begin until the summer prior to their senior year. Um, because I think that's the, that's the best for both parties. That's the best opportunity for a coach and a college to look at a player and be able to more accurately project what they're going to be when they come to college. Uh, that's the perfect world. You know, that's also the, that's also a time period where a young man and a family is thinking about college and they're more mature. They have an academic track record. They have an athletic track record they know more about what they want you know do they want a small school a big school do they want to be far from home do they want to be close to home what are they what are they looking to major in potentially that kind of thing so that would be in a perfect world and that's the way it used to be um unfortunately today all of that process is sped up and now we are because of the rules and the level of competitiveness at at you know, in a conference like the SEC, uh, everybody is sped up. So now we're looking at players as early as their freshman year of high school, um, and some kids in some colleges, including Texas A&M on, on, uh, you know, limited occasions, but it's happened, you know, young men and and colleges are, are making decisions and offering scholarships, um, in a guy's freshman sophomore year of high school, so I'm not going to tell you that's a good thing, but it is what it is. Uh, and so, my advice to a family is to try and, as best you can, do as much research as you can. What are you looking for? What's super important to you? And once you define that, there's no need to make a decision until you find it. And I would, if I was a family today, I wouldn't panic. Is you know, if I looked on social media and saw that their buddies are making decisions in their freshman, sophomore, junior year. Um, If your son hasn't had that opportunity or they haven't found the right place yet, I would not panic because talent always wins. Talent, you know, a good player, there's always room for a good player. And uh, I would just be very definitive on what I'm looking for. And until I found it, I wouldn't make a decision until that point. But once I do find it, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with pulling the trigger but again I, I i do wish it could go back to when i mean i'm not sure when tyler made his decision about vanderbilt but it, it used to be that decision wasn't made until the summer or fall prior you know of the of the senior year
0: and that was tyler that just wanted to meet to uh to- to tell you that Bo is officially available to be recruited at any point. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you, Coach, and I wish, you know, Jim, a, a lot of parents that will call me and say, you know, sure. that so-and-so to their left is being recruited and so-and-so to their right is being recruited. And I always say comparison is the thief of all joy. that It's your journey. And, you know, with regard to Tyler, he he kind of just got fed up with the, the whole process and just said, Dad, I just want to make a decision. Um, and so he did it his junior year you know the end of his sophomore year going into his junior fall but a lot of fat families today feel like they're being uh, they're being led to believe that if they're not being recruited as a freshman that they don't have a future uh, in college baseball so it's refreshing to hear a lot of college coaches now kind of say that they're slowing the process down and I think it's equally important for parents to hear that. Could you talk about the developmental process both mentally and physically at the college level and why it's kind of a a challenge for a college coach to, to get student-athletes to understand that
1: it's okay to not be a starter as a freshman or maybe even as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, I think I, – <clears throat> excuse me. I, I say this to every recruiting class. I say it to every recruit that ever steps foot on our campus. The biggest jump that you'll ever have in your career as a high school, as a amateur player is between high school and college baseball. It is a massive jump to, from being at whatever high school you're at. I don't care how successful it is or how successful your select team is to go to, especially elite division one, SEC, SEC West caliber baseball. The next jump, from college baseball to professional baseball is not nearly as big. And I, you know, just since we're talking about Tyler a lot, I'm pretty sure Tyler would agree that the jump from his high school to pitching at Vanderbilt was really, really big versus the jump from pitching at Vanderbilt to minor league baseball, right? That the jump oh, yeah. to minor, the, the, the jump to minor league baseball is way more about just handling the business of professional baseball and minor league life and that kind of thing, which he'd already dealt with because he went away from home to go to college. Um, but in terms of the actual baseball, uh, I don't think that was, a, I'm, I would venture to guess that that's not a big jump for Tyler or any other player. So when, when you, when you're, a, when you're 18 years old and you come to a place, a place like Texas A&M uh, you know, you're, 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 you're in a position battle with, guys that are two and three years older than you guys that have six or 700 college at bats or 300 college innings and then you're going to go out on the field and compete against those kind of players in environments with you know eights and tens of thousands of people and so that jump is massive therefore the success rate is going to be less therefore how are you going to handle it and so many times you have a parent that'll call or young man will walk in and say, listen, I've never struck out this much, or I've never been hit this hard. Well, yeah, we, you know, as a college coach, we know that's going to happen. It's, it's more about how you handle it than what happens to you. And so there's a, there's a, there's a growth process that most players have to go through. And every, every good college coach understands that it's just getting the, getting the player and the family to, understand that there's a process that, that they're going to go through to help them become even better. And part of that involves, I hate to use the word failure, it's more about opportunity uh, to get better. Um, but it, it it's a massive jump. And every parent thinks that, you know, their son is not going to be the one to have to go through it. And, and almost all of them will.
0: Yeah, that that's a, a really challenging lesson. I, I can speak from experience as a dad. Um, and, and it's something that I try to impart on, on parents. And do you feel as a college coach, not specifically with any program or programs, but the track, the, the model of travel baseball being year to year. In other words, we really don't have any real competition. You know, when they go through this 13, u, 14, u, 15, u, 16, u, 17, u kind of format, They get into high school varsity. If they're not playing varsity, I don't want anything to do with JV. I'm going to bypass high school baseball altogether, stick with the travel ball. But, you know, when I get to college, it seems to me like a fight or flight kind of moment occurs for a lot with the transfer portal being the way that it is. So do you kind of gauge that with regard to the overall quality of individual student athlete that you're recruiting with regard to getting them to understand? hey, this is a tough jump, and it requires you to consistently be working on your skill sets every single day, and it's going to take you some time. Do you, do you have those kind of discussions with recruits before they come into school?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we do that um, many, many, many times. Now, uh, going back to your original question about the speed of which recruiting has gone, you know, I, I think that is one of the positives of a young man making a, a decision earlier is that he knows what he's shooting for, and you can have those conversations. You can develop those relationships on a deeper level. If a guy commits to us in his sophomore year, um, you know, maybe you know he he gets to campus several times. We have more conversations. Uh, he he kind of really dives into the to to what's going on in the program, and you say, "Listen, man." if you really want to play here early in your career, this is what you're up against and we're going to support you all the way through. But uh, you know, what, what's important for, for for parents and young players to know is everybody has a different story, right? So everybody always hears about the story of the guy that comes in in his freshman year. Uh, for example, a guy named Lucan Baker that I had at TCU that came in and was a, you know, he's a freshman All-American. He was a starter from day one um, and had a great career, although he was injured. And he, he just hit 30 homers in Double A this past year and, he you know, should, should be a, a St. Louis Cardinal pretty soon. Everybody hears about those guys, but you don't hear about the guy that, you know, as much about the guy that had nine at-bats his freshman year and then 50 his sophomore year. And then he stuck it out, played behind some people. And then his junior year, He developed in the program and became a fifth round pick. I mean, those you know, you don't hear about those stories nearly as often. And so everybody has a different story. And we have some players on our team here at Texas A and M that that are young players that aren't playing very much that that I think have a chance to be really good college players one day, if they and their parents, and frankly the program will allow them to develop. And sometimes, you know, in college baseball these days, especially at this level, sometimes the program doesn't allow the player to develop because we're, you know, they fire coaches these days. They they, they pay coaches a lot of money, and every coach wants to win, and, and they every administration and donor base wants to win, and they want to win now. And so sometimes the program isn't patient enough to allow the player to develop, and, you know, you go and... Re- you end up recruiting a transfer or a junior college player or something like that right over top the guy. And so it's just, it, it's part of it and you're going to really have to just control what you can control. You can't control the coach's decision. You can only control how hard you work and what kind of person you are. And somebody who's a good athlete who works hard, who's a great person, that is eventually going to work out for them. And, uh, they just have to believe it, and they have to understand that it's a different process for every player. I think it's important to kind of
0: expand on that a little bit because I don't think a lot of families have an understanding when you're going into the, the college baseball. You're, you're not only dealing with your peers with regard to fellow high school student athletes. You're dealing with, JUCO. Uh, transfers uh, as well as the transfer portal so does that factor in to recruiting on your end in other words do you take a a now player with regard to the transfer portal or a juco player over a high school player or is there an even blend that you and your staff kind of try to balance out with regard to four-year guys versus the juco or
1: transfer guys well in a perfect world you want to for most schools that are worth their salt, you want to recruit and develop the very best high school players in the country, and that's the purest form of it. Um, those kids buy into the culture of your program; they develop within your program, and those ultimately, if you when you look back, for example, uh, during my time at TCU, we went to you know five College World Series in ten years, four consecutive College World Series the core players of those teams were all players that were high school players that developed within the program. Um, The problem is the outside of scholarship money, the biggest thing that affects a college programs recruiting is the major league draft. And now the draft is in mid July versus mid June. And so there is so much uncertainty with your team when you finish a season and you've recruited this great class and you also have junior draft eligible players on your team and nobody knows who's going or who's staying until at the earliest, the middle of July, and sometimes not until August 1st. So so I, I would say that you build and maintain your program with high school players. You supplement your program with transfers, whether it be a junior college player or now a player in the transfer portal. So, um, you know, this, this, this past summer, for example, we had an entirely new coaching staff. We took the job at Texas A&M. Um, the previous coaching staff, they had just basically let the coach's contract run out, which was unfortunate. That drastically affected their ability to recruit. And so for us to get to the point this year, just to even have a team, to be honest with you, to put together a competitive team, we, we lived in the transfer portal. You know, we, by some polls, we signed the number one transfer class in the country, um, which that was out of necessity. And I hope I, I, would in a perfect world, I don't ever want to be ranked again in that. Right. Um, but most likely if we continue to recruit the best high school players, then you, you always have to deal with the major league draft. So for example, if you've signed, a really good high school shortstop and you're counting on that guy. And then all of a sudden his senior year, he turns into a guy that may be a first or second round pick and the family, you know, that's a whole nother topic college or pro. Uh, But if the family seems like he's going to sign, then you have to go grab a transfer. And I mean, you just have to mean we're we're all, we're not on lifetime contracts. You you have to win. So um, obviously, unless you have someone in the program you think can develop into that. So, I would say it would be a in a perfect world it'd be a 80, 80, 20 like eighty percent of your team would be high school players and twenty percent of your team would be the transfers but it's just going to be dependent on that major league draft and and what your team's going to look like
0: ah uh, yes the major league draft it's uh, that's a whole different topic um, but you know when we're talking about college baseball in today's world what are some of the the biggest differences that you can, even your time with Rick Jones at Tulane or going back to Elon or, you know, UNLV, et cetera. What are some of the differences now, not only just with student athletes, but with the, with the college game itself? You know, things that parents should be aware of that, that make it that much more demanding today than maybe
1: 10, 15 years ago. Well, I just think that college baseball has become a sport across the board where when I first started coaching 30 years ago at Elon and Clemson in 19, you know, 1990, 93, right in that era, there was probably, I don't know, 15 real 15 or so programs that had a legitimate chance to win a national championship, host a regional there, you know, there was only 48 teams going to the NCAA tournament. Now, Uh, now there's 64 and now you look across college baseball, there's over 300 schools playing division one baseball. If you looked at the top 50 schools in the country, so even just in our state at Texas, obviously you have schools like Texas A&M, Texas tech, university of Texas, TCU, uh, Baylor, you know, you have that, you have the, the high end, um, power five programs, but, you have a school like Dallas Baptist that has been in super regionals. They're on the brink of the College World Series. That if a place like DBU were, and it's not when, they, it's not if they will, it's when they get to Omaha, they'll have, then, then it just becomes tournament baseball. And you can see a program like that, like you saw Coastal Carolina in 2016 win a national title. And so there are so many programs investing in facilities, investing in coaches. Investing in players um, with with uh, support. That there's a lot of great places to play, and so the 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 line between winning and losing in college baseball has never ever been thinner than it is right now, ever. And all, all you have to do is look at the scores every single night. And if if you think you know a team like Northeastern going and beating, I think they may have won two out of three at Clemson this past. Weekend. I know we lost two out of three at home to to an Ivy League school in Penn two weeks ago. I mean, they have a real team. They have real pitchers, uh, and so you know that if if you look on the surface, that should never happen. But if you watch the games and you watch the level of play, you you get it. And so um, there's a lot of opportunity out there, uh, which means there's a lot of competition, and you better be on your A game every single day. You better be making the right choices on and off the field, and you know this statement has never been more true. It's never ever about the best team. It's only about the team that plays the best. And uh, if in today's college baseball, if you if you don't play well, you are going to lose. I don't care if you're playing Mississippi State, Southern Miss, or uh, you know Texas Wesleyan. It doesn't matter. You're you're going to lose if you don't play well. Well, I think the
0: term mid-major is, is, is something that a lot of parents get lost with because they always want to talk. When I'm talking, when we, Butch and myself, are talking to parents or student-athletes, we always get that P5, P5, P5. And when you stop for a second and you say Texas State, Liberty, I mean uh, Northeastern, you know, <laughs> it, it, these schools now are on par and competing not just playing, big difference, with the big boys in college baseball. So your point is, is an excellent one. And I want to make sure that, that parents have a good understanding that college baseball, unilaterally, whether it's junior college, whatever level we're talking about, as you allude to, it is about the talent. It is about the players. It is not about the name on the jersey. It's who, who's coming to play and how they're going to compete on any given day. So, Coach, yeah. I have a que- a question for you that comes in from a coach, a fellow coach. and it says, Coach Slosh, can you break down the character traits and skills that you look for in your recruits? When you're at TCU, your frog ball, extreme hustle mentality proved to make a winning product on the field. Was the character of the recruit intentional on your behalf to fit that type of mentality, or was it developed by you and your staff once the kids student athletes got there
1: yeah i, I would that's a great question I and, and i would say it's both right um now understand going back to your one of your first questions that when you're recruiting a player at 14 and 15 years old you know who knows what he's going to become at 18 or 19 so you you know you hope to you follow that you, you evaluate it. And there's certainly been instances where, you know, we've committed a player and he's in one stage of development, you know, away from the field and his maturity. And then in very rare instances, but it has happened where a young man said, Hey, you know, he's developed into something that it's going to be a bad fit for him. And it's going to be a bad fit for us. And we have to have a tough conversation. Uh, But at the end of the day, going back to what I said earlier that the line between winning and losing has never been more thin the difference, but you know, other than just the bounce of the ball and the game of baseball itself, the difference between the good teams and the great teams is that the great teams, a, they stay, they stay healthy. Uh, and B, they make better decisions over time. And so for example, I've never, I have never in my life in 31 years, I've never had a player be an underachieving student and be an overachieving, overachieving player. L- l- let me say that again. I've never had a player be an underachieving student and an overachieving player. So if you're a, if you're a lazy guy in the classroom and, you, and you're underachieving, that is eventually going to show up on a baseball field. It may not show up when your team or your talent is that much better than the other team. But eventually, the talent becomes equal. When you watch a super regional, uh, the the level of play, the level of intensity. If you if you're ever in a ballpark for a super regional, it is so intense. Every single pitch has so much riding on it, and if you if you're a guy that's been making bad decisions, you're going to get exposed so fast, right? And so I'm not saying that the times we've won. Uh, Those close super regionals uh, at TCU against schools like Texas A&M that our kids were better kids. I'm just telling you, it's that close. And so, uh, yes, we do evaluate it because that's the ultimate separator. And then once a kid gets to school, if he's going to make bad choices away from the field, it's going to get so, so exposed so fast that he'll just simply be eliminated and that, you know, and just moved on. And and that, that doesn't mean that we don't give guys second chances because anytime you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, guys are going to make bad choices, but there's a big difference between being a good person who makes a bad choice and a person that continually makes bad choices. That's eventually a bad guy. So uh, for us, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking for, for, and, and, Every great program's looking for the same thing. You know, they're they're looking for guys that are talented, but they're looking for people that are committed to what they're doing. They're looking for excellence in every area of life, not just baseball. Um, and they're looking for super competitive players, guys that, you know, whether they're playing a game of ping pong or whether they're playing baseball, that they're trying to win. Because you know, when 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 you're playing these teams every single weekend especially in our conference and especially in the NCAA tournament, uh, the line between winning and losing is, it's, it's paper thin.
0: Getting a lot of questions coming in. So I'm going to get to as many of them as I can. I have a question. Do you feel with the internet, social media, et cetera, has that helped create all programs from all over the country have access to student athletes that maybe 10 years ago, they wouldn't have had access or been able to watch via video or hashtag and get in front of somebody. So do you feel that the the internet and social media has, has helped level the playing field?
1: Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it because now, you know, if you're in the state of Texas and back in the, in the day before social media, um, you could hide a player out. You could go to a small town college and see the guy play and recruit him and that kind of thing. And now, you know, they post, you know, COVID really changed a lot. You know, we had to do a lot of during COVID, we weren't allowed to go out. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, there were some games being played, um, but there was a lot of, a lot of things done by way of social media. So social media is not going to get you a scholarship, um, or that you know, but it's going to start. It definitely can start the process. There's no doubt about it. Um, as much as we'd like to think it doesn't, it, it certainly does. And you know, we're scouring Twitter and Instagram, and I don't mean, I don't even know what else there is. But uh, we have people on our staff there are. Ch- and you say, well, wow, that's a good pitch, or that's a great swing, and then you. Kind of dive deep into it. Sometimes you find out that that one great pitch or that one great swing was one out of thirty. The other twenty-nine weren't very good, right? So it's just like everything else on social media. You're seeing you're seeing the very best version of that person or of that player. Um, it, it could spark interest, and then you make a phone call, and sometimes you dive deeper into it, and it's not a good fit. And other times. Uh, That's sparked a great relationship. So it's part of today's world. And I think social media done correctly uh, with the right intention can be, you know, a good thing. Obviously, everything out there can be used for good or bad. That is the absolute truth. So I have a question from a parent who feels
0: that their son is a late bloomer. And if that late bloomer were able to make his way to a Texas A&M camp, would there be room at the end for a junior that is going to be a rising senior in 2023? That's her question, as we asked earlier about slowing the process down. But she's asking about, would there be room at the end for a rising senior uh, if he attended your camp during the summer months?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I believe that I don't think there's any college coach out there that's going to walk away from a great player. Right. Um, You know, there, there may be scholarship situations. There may be things you have to work through. It may be less affordable on the front end and more affordable on the back. You know, there's a lot of different ways now, um, depending on the level of play, depending on the university. Um, There's all kinds of ways, you know, today. So I would say that, you know the one one thing that parents need to really dive in and understand is college baseball is the most under scholarship sport in all of college athletics. Um, if you think that investing you know thirty thousand dollars over the course of you know four or five years of summer baseball and select baseball and and um, lessons and all that kind of stuff is important, understand you may be investing thirty thousand to get ten right and so sometimes saving your money is the best thing um, so that when that late bloomer becomes available, you maybe have to pay a little bit more on the front end because the scholarship money isn't quite as available, but it could be. Um, I know this. At this level in the SEC, every single coach in our conference, if a great player walks on his campus who's not committed or signed in his junior or senior year, if they think that guy can play at their school, they're going to they're gonna find a way to make it happen, period, end of sentence. So talent and character and a kid who's a good student, that always wins. So the kid who's a late bloomer, do not panic. Um, I mean, not that I was some great player, but I know what I look like at 14 years old, 15 years old versus what I look like physically at 17 and 18. So I wouldn't panic at all. Um, just let the process happen and it's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. I have no doubt.
0: Coach, do you feel that the major league draft is now pushing or kind of suggesting that the college baseball model is more of a development model uh, and because they've lessened the number of rounds, thus lessening the number of, players that get access to professional baseball do you feel that's pushing more of the better talent
1: into the college programs well yes i mean simply by numbers alone you're going to have more players go to college because there's fewer fewer rounds in the draft um i think i think professional baseball has finally admitted that at the absolute highest levels like the texas a and m uh that the things that a place like this the resources the facilities the coaches the level of the level of development the level of coaching is at the absolute highest level and so you know and that's not to say that it's not in minor league baseball that's why they've that's why they've lessened the number of minor league teams so that so that they can put more money in fewer teams to catch up to college baseball to catch up to college baseball from an analytical standpoint to catch up to college baseball from a facility standpoint, uh, nutrition, um, you know, sports psychology, sports performance, all of that stuff. Right. So, you know, many, many times when I'm having a a conversation with a family about why they should go to school, obviously you can talk about academics and life skills and all that stuff, but, these days, you also start with baseball development. Where is the best place for you to develop as a young player? And so um, there used to be, in my opinion, a big gap between the d- level of development and elite college baseball program and minor league baseball. And now my, um, minor league baseball is, is, is catching up, you know, and, th- and that's, that's a credit to them. It's good for those players. It's good for those coaches. And I think the owners have seen that. So, you know, th- the numbers are still true, right? You can take my opinion. You can do whatever you want. But on any given day, between 50 and 55% of the players in the big leagues went to college. On any given day, between 26 and 30% of the players in the big leagues aren't from the United States. So the fastest route to the big leagues, the fastest route to the big leagues is to go to college. Are there exceptions to that? Of course, but in general, the fastest route to the big leagues is to be a, go be a college player. I can tell you that about eight of the last 10 major league players that came from, you know, program that I was a part of at TCU, eight of the last 10 big leaguers all made the big leagues within 18 months of leaving the campus. So it, it happens quick for those players. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not telling you minor league baseball is bad. There's a lot of great people there and, and they, they are, they have to their credit have done a great job of revamping the, their entire development process, you know, paint looks like they're going to pay the players more. They're going to, you know, there's, they're going to give them better nutrition, better places to stay, all that kind of stuff. But no one will, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm obviously biased, but no one will ever convince me that. there isn't a better place for a young person between the ages of 18 and 21 to develop than on a college campus there's just no one will ever convince me of that i'm not talking about just their baseball development i'm talking about their overall social psychological spiritual relational uh, development that's to be done in college around other people male and female That are doing the exact same thing that's the best place for your child to develop and i don't care if the family i'm talking to goes to our biggest rival and beats us for three years i will always encourage them to go to school well
0: i happen to agree with that sentiment um i i feel that it's important for uh families to know the the college process is not all about baseballs and practices and uniforms there's a lot more to this college baseball uh, process than the game itself and uh, I, I think it's enlightening for parents and student athletes alike to listen to you share that and I think it's important I, I'd like you to expand on that a bit from the perspective of you looking back, let, let's use Tulane as an example. We're set up this evening by, you know, Mr. Jack Crescent. And, you know, we're talking about gentlemen that you've coached that are in their 30s and have children now that are playing the game. So can you speak to the, the dynamic of moments and memories and, and the glue that college offers for not only those student athletes but their families you know going to games meeting new families from different parts just the collective college experience as a whole
1: yeah so so i you know i believe that number one what is the ultimate job of a university right we can say that it's to help this young person get a degree and that's true we can say it's helped this young person develop as a athlete and that would be true but ultimately when you walk on a college campus everybody on that campus i'm talking about from the janitor to the professor to the coach to the academic advisor to the president to the chancellor every person in between their ultimate job is to help develop young people so it's a it's a space big or small where every young person on that campus, male and female, is going through the emotional and the psychological changes of 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. They're going from a child to an adult, right? And they're all going through this experience together. And so if you ask most people, if you ask most people, their best friends in life, if they went to college, you may have one or two friends from high school, that you're still close with. But if you went to college, your best friends in your life, probably the person you're going to marry, probably the person who's the best man in your, in your wedding, that was your college friend. That was your college fraternity brother, sorority sister. That was your college teammate. That's where you develop as a young person. And so, um, that experience, you know, when, when, when you, when we have an alumni game or we have a banquet, and we have former players come back. They don't talk as – no one re- really remembers the, the game or even the Super Regional or the, the College World Series. What they talk about is, hey, man, you remember what happened on that road trip that night when we all went to eat, right? Or you remember that party or you remember, you know, the time we went on spring break and we did this or the time we I, I went to your house in fall break. And so that's the cool stuff, right? And that's what people talk about. And so I can't imagine, and I'm not saying someone who signed out of high school and skipped that, I'm not saying they, they didn't have a great experience at whatever they chose to do, but nothing compares to college. Nothing compares to it. And um, no, one will ever, no one will ever be able to convince me of that. And it, even you know my, my former players that went on and played in the big leagues, played in a World Series, won a World Series, won Cy Youngs, if you ask them, what's the best ex- baseball experience, what's the most pure experience you've ever had in your life, they will tell you, hey, it was my time in college. Playing in the big leagues, awesome. Making money, awesome. But nothing nothing was as pure and as fun uh, as my time in college. And I think, if, I think Tyler Beattie would say that. I, think they, I, I know David Price would say that because he said it to me. Um, and guys like Matt Carpenter, Jake Arrieta, uh, Nick Lodolo, you know, some of the very best players that I've you know, coached at TCU and, and the USA teams that Tyler was a part of. I mean, every single player who's gone on to professional baseball, every single one has said the exact same thing. So um, to think that there's, there's something different out there I think is untrue.
0: Well, I know for a fact that uh, we as a family – took uh, that perspective and am very grateful for all the life moments that he got to experience as a student athlete at the college level. And another thing that I really try to impart to to families is that this is a lifetime decision, a a lifetime uh, of education. Uh, It it lasts with you long after you put the spikes and the glove away. And, And I think, you know, getting families to understand trying to make a decision as a 14 year old is challenging because they just don't know what direction they're really going to take later on in life. And and it's refreshing to hear a college coach uh, of which there, it seems to be a more um, heavily discussed topic. Just take your time. This is a big boy decision that you're going to want to get right. uh, Not just from the baseball perspective, but all, all other uh, dynamics of your life as well. I, I have a question that's kind of, you know, we went to the Shriners Classic in Houston. I know you played in the Frisco Classic. feel that that's just great for baseball because that time of year, you know, most of the country is just coming out of football. But can you talk to that, the, the awareness of college baseball as a whole? Because as you alluded to earlier, it's not quite the same with regard to scholarships on the football and basketball level. But from a television perspective, it's starting to pick up a lot of steam you know, all these various outlets covering college baseball. It's pretty exciting, don't you think?
1: Yeah, it's great. I think, I think, um, obviously streaming, streaming has changed everything for everybody in terms of, I mean, I was a direct TV subscriber for 25 years, maybe 30. And when I moved to college station, this is my first venture into streaming television, you know, YouTube TV. And so, and, you know, ESPN and. And ESPN Plus, the SEC Network, the SEC Network Plus, and so now, you know, you can you can turn on just about every college program, not just Division One, has some level of streaming service to where you can get online and you can watch the games, and that's awesome. And that and that that is just more and more exposure for college baseball. I mean, it, it used to be only the only the College World Series was on television um, every now and then when I was a kid, there was, there would be an ESPN college baseball game of the week. Um, but for the most part, uh, you, you couldn't watch college baseball until Omaha. So, uh, now you can, you know, I come home if we, if we play on the, you know, tomorrow, we have a game tomorrow evening against university of Houston. Um, when I come home, uh, I'll have a bowl of cereal and I'll turn on Uh, my, you know, my television and my streaming and I'll watch the end of whatever games are being played in the central time zone and I'll watch whatever game, you know, I can watch on the, on the West coast until I fall asleep. And that's, and that's a great thing. So it's just, you know, what, what needs to happen is now the scholarship chain, you know, the scholarships need to match the exposure and hopefully, you know, that can happen over time, but, um, it's a great sport. It's pure uh it's true student athletes i'm not saying the other sports aren't uh but when you have you have kids you know like i had i mentioned nick lodolo earlier nick was a pitcher of ours at tcu uh that was a first round pick out of high school who turned down you know two and a half or three million dollars to come to college where he was paying 25 or thirty thousand dollars a year to go to school uh that's a true student athlete. That's somebody that wants to be there. That is there for the education, and uh, it turned out great for him. You know, he, he was ended up being the first college player selected, or first college pitcher selected, I think, in 2019, and you know, seven plus million dollar signing bonus, and he's going to pitch in the big leagues. But um, college baseball right now is more competitive than it's ever been. It's showcased better than it's ever ha- has been showcased, and that's not just the eight teams you see in Omaha, that that's, that's the division three teams, division two junior college. I mean, there's a lot of things out there to watch. And so I, I truly think there's a college program in the country for just about every player. If you set your expectations the correct way. Can't agree more. And
0: I just want to remind parents, I know a few of you have sending me direct messages, asking questions, trying to raise your hand. If you want to send them to me privately, I'll ask them if I feel that they're, Um, A question that Coach Losnagel should answer, but if I don't know you, I don't want to take the risk, so I'm not ignoring you. Coach, we're only going to keep you another 10 minutes. I appreciate you during midweek taking the time to join us. I know you have a a game coming up this week as well as LSU in the future uh, this weekend. Can you explain to parents with regard to um, your your camps and things of that nature, even if they're not invited? I have a parent here that's asking a question. Do we as a family have to be invited to a camp at Texas A and M. Do we have to have communication with Coach Kane or Coach slosnagel before we come to camp, or can we sign up and go?
1: Yeah, you can certainly sign up and go. I mean, it's always it's always great if we have a heads up. Maybe not necessarily. I mean, the, from the parents, great, but you know, if, if you're your high school coach or your summer coach you're coming to a camp and you say you or any you know maybe it's another school you're interested in have your coach call and say hey listen i have this player you know billy's a left-handed pitcher or he's a he's a center fielder he's I, i think he's got a chance to be a really good player he's got a great interest in your school um he's coming to your camp next week i think that's a great thing to do because you know there's a lot of kids that run through here um and but certainly you know once a kid gets on campus i mean there's there are players that we know are coming and there's been plenty of examples of players that we know are coming we're excited to see him and then a the guy that we don't know he just signed up online and and he goes through a game or goes through a workout and like holy cow this guy's pretty good we need to see him play some more and it just spurs more interest okay a couple questions coming in how do you feel as a
0: staff with regard to multi sport athletes
1: yeah, So I'm a, yeah, I've been very vocal on my opinions on, I am not a fan of year round baseball. Uh, I am a huge, huge fan of multi-sports multi-sport athletes. I believe that you will become a better baseball player by playing other sports for as long as you possibly can. Um, I'm a big believer. I told, actually had this conversation with our team last weekend. Um, I grew up, I know I'm old, but, I grew up in an era there wasn't select baseball. So you played football in the fall, you played basketball in the winter, you played baseball in the spring. And I would actually play baseball and basketball in the summer. Um, my baseball was American Legion. I My, my point is I, I never played a meaningless baseball game. There was never a game that I played in any sport where we weren't trying to win, like, like the standings mattered or we're trying to win a championship. And so – I would much rather have a athlete who played football in the fall or basketball in the winter, trying to win a championship, versus playing a meaningless baseball game that you know some showcase baseball deal. So uh, that that's one thing. And then I I, I read this uh, a quote from another coach a couple weeks ago that I thought was great that I had never really thought about, and he said he liked, and this was actually a major college football coach that liked. Um, multi-sport athletes because he liked to see how what kind of teammate and what kind of kid he had when they weren't the best player on the field right so maybe it was a football player who was the best football player in the country but when he played baseball he wasn't even the best player on his team so what kind of teammate was he you know how supportive was he what kind of role player was he you know that that kind of thing so for me the very best players that i've had um, were guys that played, you know, m- you know, multiple sports. And so I'm just a big fan of it.
0: Okay, I have to ask this question. How do you feel, do you have any conflicts when a student athlete comes in, they're working with a coach, instructor, lessons, et cetera? How does that work when they end up on campus? Is there a blending or is that a this is A&M and we're going to work with you here. How does that work? So parents
1: have an understanding of that. You know, I think it varies from player to player. Um, I think at the end of the day, I just want the player to perform well. I want him to have success. Um, If there's someone in his life that he trusts and has given him the tools to, you know, or helped him out to this point, then that's, Hey, let's let, let's have a conversation with that person. Let's if it's a hitter, let's have our hitting coach talk with his high school hitting coach, his summer hitting coach, his, his select coach or whatever, whatever it is. Let's have a let's have a conversation because we all have the same end goal. Right. We all want Johnny to do well where you have problems is once you have that conversation, let's try and have all of the coaching come from one source. Because if you if you have the college coach or the college hitting coach saying one thing and dad saying another thing and high and pri- private lesson guy saying another thing, then that is all that's going to do is cause confusion and problems for the player. Um, whereas if you can create a relationship between all of those parties because we all want the same thing, then I me personally. I have no problem with that because ultimately I I just want the player to do well. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, but um, each coach may take that differently in his program.
0: How does Texas A&M feel about walk-on players? I have a student athlete that's asking because his high school seasons and his summer seasons have been affected by the, virus, as I'm sure, many have been affected in similar capacity. The young man in question that's asking the question literally had his high school seasons taken away the last two years. How does Texas a and m feel about walk- on student athletes?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly feel for those kids, and I don't you know it's just going to be a while for, for everybody to have a chance to catch up to some level of norm- normalcy. Um, we have walk-on tryouts here. I've always had walk-on tryouts. I walked on my college team uh, at Elon for Coach Jones, Um, so I I have a I have an affinity for that process more so than I believe most coaches. The issue is that we have roster limits, so you know we have you know we're only next year unless something changes, we go back to a thirty-five man roster. So even if you find a player that you think, hey, this guy has a chance to help us. you may not have room for them just because we're only allowed to have 35 players on the team. Uh, so you may have a guy, I mean, I've had players walk on the team and start. Uh, so I think there's always hope and there's always a chance, and you should always do that if you're on that campus and that school has the walk on tryouts. Um, but you may also have, I've had scenarios where a guy comes to walk on tryouts. You're like, hey, man, you have a chance to be a pretty good player. We don't have a room for you this year. If baseball is that important to you, why don't you go down the road to this junior college, call the junior college coach. They have a need, maybe he plays there for a year and comes back to your school. But, you know, those are rare instances. Uh, But, yeah, there's no doubt it's a tough road, but I do think it's possible. Jim. Okay, thanks, Walter. Jim Butch here. How are you? What's up, buddy? Good to Congratulations on hear from him. Sonier. Great opportunity there at Texas A&M. Thanks, Butch. Appreciate you, buddy. My my question to you would be 95 to 98%. I'm not sure. I know it's in between that number of the students at Texas A&M are from the state of Texas. Are you going to be active in your recruiting of the entire country? Or are you mainly going to stay in Texas? Well, I mean, we'll certainly start here, but no we- – we'll be all over. I mean, Texas A&M, we have 70,000 students. Um, I don't know if your percentages are correct. They may be, I don't know exactly what they are, but we have 510,000 former students. We don't call them alumni here. They're former students. So the 12th man and uh, and kind of the Aggie nation runs worldwide. There are more fortune 500 CEOs from Texas A&M than there are from any other school, including the Ivy league. So you know, there are Aggies in California to New York. So we, we have kids signed and committed everywhere from Florida to, to, the, uh, to the East Coast to, to California. So we, we just like any other school, you know, we want the best players, whether they're from right down the street in Houston uh, or whether they're from Southern California. So um, obviously it's, it's cheaper. Uh, as, a, as a state university, it's cheaper for, uh, for an in-state student, um, but we want the best players just like every other school.
0: On that topic, I have a young man. that This will be our last question. I want to let everybody know we cannot keep Coach Flossnagel much later than tonight. Uh, on it, it's, it's season mode, so I wish we could get to all the questions. And so, Jim, the last question that's come in from parents, what... Re- with regard to the transcript, when is that evaluated as a coaching staff with regard to potentially being a right fit for Texas A&M? Is that something that is you, you're paying attention to, whether they're a sophomore, freshman, et cetera? Where are you looking for the transcript to be submitted as a
1: potential Texas A&M student athlete? Well, the, you know, it doesn't matter what school you're at, you don't apply until the fall of your senior year. So that's when it'll be finally evaluated, and not by the coach, but by the admissions department and the compliance office at that school. But I will say there aren't very many positives of the early recruiting that goes on now, and I'm talking about freshman sophomore year. But one of the positives, and it's a great positive, is if we have a young man in his freshman or sophomore year of high school that chooses Texas A&M, then he knows very well both baseball-wise and academically, what he has to do. So it actually creates more of a motivation for that young player to say, "Hey, man, all right, this is where you've chosen. So now, whatever the school that is, uh, hey, here are admission standards, or here's what you have to do. Uh, here, here's our academic advisor's number. She can help you schedule those courses. Uh, if you need help in certain areas, you know, you you find out really quick." Um, maybe where they need some tutoring help in math or science or English or whatever it is. So um, I I would, to answer your question, I would say they're constantly being evaluated, but the final evaluation doesn't happen until the fall of their senior year.
0: Well, I think that answers all of our questions. I want to first say, thank you. Uh, Tyler just sent me a text message and said that Bo, Is uh, definitely going to be a left hand hitting uh, middle infielder if he has his way, and uh, he wants to keep him off the bump. So he said uh, (laughs) to make sure you keep his eyes, your eyes open for. uh... And he wanted me to tell you Bo Diesel is the middle name. I don't know if I agree with that, but Bo Diesel, BD. Oh, is, uh,
1: okay. <laughs>
0: so, awesome. Um, some, some name so- recognition there. So, But I want to say thank you, Jim. This is the first time that you and I ever got a, an opportunity to speak. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for the Team USA experience that Tyler was able to, to share with his Many uh, new friends and teammates, uh, one of which now, Carlos Rodon, is just, uh, Rodon has just joined him uh, in San Francisco. And he, he also says to say hello. They're both listening right now. So I want to say thank you for joining us tonight. I think every parent and student athlete uh, has thoroughly enjoyed this evening's conversation. And I wish you nothing but good luck this season, you, Nolan, and your entire coaching staff. Uh, I look forward to, to meeting with you someday and, and attending one of the uh, the Aggie games down there in in Texas.
1: Well, thanks thanks for having me. It's been awesome, and it was an honor to coach Tyler on that USA team along with Carlos. It's amazing how you build such great bonds over such a short amount of time with with those guys. And you're always welcome, and uh, everybody on the call here, you're always welcome to come visit us in Aggie Land and uh, gig them. Have a great you got night. It.
0: Gig'em, Coach. Good luck this weekend in uh, the box.
1: Thanks so much. Take care. You're
0: welcome. Thank you to everybody.